0: Like King Kong before him, Ishiro Honda's creature feature creation could not be contained to one country and swam its way from across the Pacific to North America. The Big G would go on to conquer cinemas across the U.S. and then the world. This is Kaiju vs. History, Godzilla, King of the Monsters.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Kaiju versus History. This is your host, Patrick, and joining me in Kaiju Crimes is my friend and co-host Miles. How are you doing, Miles? I'm doing really well. I'm really,
0: it's just it's always exciting to be talking about what I would kind of consider like the the home team in <laughs> in 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 KVH land is talking about a Godzilla film, even if it's one that we've kind of already talked about before. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny. I think neither of us, when we're going into this review, had seen this version of the movie in, in some time. And yeah, we were surprised pleasantly. Perhaps our initial scorings are, at least I can only speak for myself, my initial scoring was a little lower than what I ended up with.
0: Oh, uh, same. I mean, because movie. So, and we're going to get into it, but it, it's difficult to really, I think it's important to emphasize the fact that Gojira was not available in in any sort of official capacity mm-hmm. to to mainstream audiences until 2004. So while I have seen Gojira many, many times and, and for, for good reason consider that to be the version that is is the right one or in quotes, the, the correct version of the film, Godzilla: King of the Monsters was the version for almost fifty years, and mm-hmm. is largely—and this is why we're doing an, a separate episode on this specific version. This is the reason we're still we're here talking about this. Is is yeah. this version of the movie?
1: Yeah, there were some art houses, especially in LA, that were able to show the original Ashira Honda Gojira and, you know, get people interested in, you know, that's how they, they sold doing this American version of it. But like you said, this is what all the people that were inspired by Godzilla here in the U S this is what they saw, you know, for the most part, uh, I mentioned this is what Steven Spielberg, you know, watched. This is the version that he saw uh, when he was a boy uh, that was rerun in Saturday matinees and things like that. I
0: I remember when they first released Gojira, I actually still have a copy of that original double disc uh, Uh DVD and the box set they would release later. And it was a big deal. Like it was really cool to see the original vision of this movie. And it's, I think some people who are maybe slightly younger than me that are into kaiju films take for granted this fact, because it's easy for us to talk about how great Gojira is one, because it's, I mean, one of the best films of all time, but it's easy to talk about it within the context of kaiju history because, you know, we've had it for
1: 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, people had talked about. It's like, Oh, well, have you seen the original 1954 Godzilla movie? And normally when they said yes, they were talking about Godzilla King of the monsters, not Gojira, even though there's so much obviously of the original movie in that one, it is something else when you show people the original for the first time because they are very different. And, you know, obviously one is better than the other. Oh, yeah. uh, without question. We're not here to really compare too much about them. We are, and this is a, a special episode, comparing this or, or, or viewing this movie as almost like it's its own movie. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try not to like harken back to the original too much. Because they are they are very different, and yeah, we are technically reviewing the same movie twice in a way. <laughs> it, it, uh, it is it is odd that way, and I mean, if you if you,
0: it, it's funny that that I, I agree with Patrick on this because if you go on to any of the discourse that we're involved with, Patrick and I will go back and forth on. Uh, I, I am always a person that doesn't believe that something is objectively good or bad in film. I I, I but however that said when it comes to comparing these two specific movies I, I i will i will err on the side of patrick on this one where gojira is objectively a better film
1: well there's there's very few other instances i think like this in cinema and like the history of cinema because typically when there's even when there's americanization to a certain extent that's usually just you know changing some of the lines or 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 things like that. Some of the dialogue in the movie. So it's understandable to audiences around the world. This is something completely different. We're going to get into it. It it, it does set this. It does set the stage for how the American
0: system will digest Godzilla films for the next 40 years, because they -hmm. they do. I mean, Godzilla raids again was at one time gigantus and that didn't work, but there are, moments of where they just do a Godzilla film. For example, Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster, which was Godzilla versus Beck Godzilla. And they'll they'll edit some scenes and obviously mm-hmm. they'll, they'll they'll dub them. A lot of that. times cut scenes. You yes. Know, cut and, things out. And in, in that respect, I yeah they're edited versions of the movie, but they're they're not a completely different movie. Where in this one, I, I would say they're not maybe not completely different movies. But mm-hmm. it's it's a different template when we're talking about Godzilla King of the Monsters because one thing that struck me that I forgot about is they don't do a lot of dubbing that, that they, when they do it's super obvious but mostly it's, they let the Japanese cast speak but because you have uh, Raymond Burr as Steve Martin as the foreigner who's like what did he say
1: it's, and they, it is a different experience than just your yeah. typical dub
0: of a film. I was. I was honestly, I, I really like you. I thought I was going to go into this movie and kind of expecting to, to to dunk on it a lot, and and really walked away with a pretty positive experience.
1: So let, let's get into the meat of it to explain to our audience who maybe haven't seen the original or, or know. I, I imagine there's a lot of people that have either seen the original or have seen this version, you know because it was the only one available before 2004 and haven't seen both. I feel very privileged to finally have seen both and be able to talk about them. But in 1955, Toho sold the international rights to Gojira, the 1954 film to Edmund Goldman, who in turn partnered with producer Samuel Z. Arkoff of American international pictures and specifically sold the rights to add re-edit, and remove completely aspects of the original gojira film and then release it to american audiences that all that was in the contract with toho and they were perfectly fine Ashira honda no say in the matter whatsoever <laughs> can you imagine that happening today you know with no. like no. <laughs> selling selling the international rights to you know your latest marvel well i mean i guess technically does marvel does make those deals with some countries which are like oh we want to add in uh, our own actor. One actress. particular country <laughs> yeah oh yeah we can't <laughs> mention who exactly it is but it's maybe the second largest market for movies in the world but yeah well i mean there's just stuff that happens like that but imagine the director having no say and be like you know what instead of tony stark we're gonna have uh our own superhero show up and save the day that would be wild i, I and i think yeah. social
0: media having a voice now would almost (laughs) not let that happen.
1: yeah, that's, I mean, that's the exact thing. There was no power for the the Hedgehog. (laughs) There's no power for the directors back then, but yeah, this is technically the same movie in a way that we're reviewing twice. And this happens again and again in Kaiju history, but we are making exception to our rule to not do every single Americanization Oh, God, or international yeah, edition of of two films because these, like we said, are two that are different and historically different enough that this deserves uh, its own episode. maybe in the nineteen Godzilla was, in, yeah so uh, I was about to say we we had
0: talked about doing the return of godzilla slash godzilla nineteen eighty five. And I thought we put the kibosh on that because I I think it's actually very very difficult to get a hold of yeah. the
1: 1985 cut. The, the part of the reason this is very easy to do is because both versions are in full, very easy to find. I think both in <laughs>
0: on in Criterion theater. on HBO Max. It's it's oh yeah, <laughs> very easy to get a hold of this. I do oh, want that, to... That's uh, also Godzilla 1985 has a, a very terrible reputation.
1: <laughs> I do want to watch it and and have my Dr. Pepper ready. We'll get to that in the, the 80s films. But we, we might talk about both of those in one episode. Like we talked already about Gigantus, the fire monster in our Godzilla Raids Again episode. We're not going to watch that movie and compare that you know, completely. But yeah, typically when a movie comes over, there's just... A, a dub of the kaiju film and they don't make as many changes as they, as they did in this movie this movie cuts a full 10 minutes i think off the runtime of gojira speaking of gojira and the title here uh i didn't, I didn't set you up for oh yeah what's in the title <laughs> well we we've already been over gojira's you know many working titles right. and things like that this film kind of shares or no it's it completely shares but different uh, syntax the same title that was used in 2019 for Legendary's Monsterverse film Godzilla King of the Monsters i don't think there's a colon after that godzilla but in this movie it's godzilla comma king of the monsters yeah it's it's and it has and this has an exclamation mark which they movies just don't do anymore there's like no movies with Question marks or exclamation marks that they kind of stopped doing that. And I think part of it is because it's like difficult, you know, <laughs> to uh, to enforce the usage. Yeah,
0: I, I know that there are examples in, in recent history, but it yes, you're right. It does
1: not get used a lot. Happened all the time in the 50s. I feel like Love exclamation it. points were all over titles. <laughs> I, I, I want them to have a comeback. But yeah, this version of the film became so popular. This went back to Japan and was re-released in Japan under the title Monster King Godzilla. Of course, in in Japanese, it was Kaiju o Gojira, but Godzilla is what the American version of the, the monster became. And I think eventually they started releasing Godzilla films over there as Godzilla, not Gojira. In, in some posters, I feel like I've seen maybe both, like maybe both English, but yeah, one production history in, in production, one producer almost called it Godzilla, the sea beast, but I don't know where exactly King of the Monsters came from, what producer suggested it, but that has become just like a moniker for Godzilla and you know, it tells you exa- everything you need to know about the monster, tells you about its power. There's not other monsters in this movie, <laughs> but indeed tells you that it, no matter what, Godzilla is the king of them. <laughs> yeah. So, depending on the film or what kind of movie it is, when a movie is usually internationally distributed, there is localization for the part of a movie coming to America, Americanization might be called. And if it's a, a British film, for example, they might, you know, call a flashlight, a torch or an elevator, a lift or a a truck, a lorry, that kind of things. So they might like go back and like overdub just to, you know, make it. So it's not confusing. Sometimes movies, I want to say, especially your spaghetti Westerns, The Italian directors would just have the actors on hand to completely dub the movie in three or four languages themselves. Mm -hmm. So they would read the the dialogue for for all of them. And that was just part of their strategy for the international distribution. So typically, that's what's going to happen with kaiju movies, especially. This is obviously not the process that was agreed upon with Toho for King of the Monsters. This is this is a fairly radical differentiation and its Americanization of of this film.
0: Yeah, which I mean, I, I think is is at least an interesting idea, especially for this time to kind of change the lens of a movie for the audience. Where I mean, this this doesn't really happen again. And I mean, in so, doing so, I think it takes away the a lot of the identity of what makes the original film great in comparison. So. This film really—the uh, biggest thing—is that it shifts the the perspective of Japanese characters to a,
1: a U.S. implant in Raymond Burr, who plays mm-hmm. Steve Martin in this film. Yep, yep. And I, I would say this doesn't really happen in movies. I mean, I can't really think of another example, but it happens in TV because we we've got the Power Rangers, and when they yes, they bring um, over the the footage, obviously it's a very different situation. The, like, the, the Sentai Topusatsu stuff for, for television,
0: especially after the success of Power Rangers, where you had, you know, Cy- Superhuman Cyber Squad and VR Troopers. But it's not and- exactly
1: the same because we're not using those like original Japanese like story elements. This is just kind of like tacking on, I would say, like 20% American Point of view. Yeah, I you mean, know.
0: <laughs> it, it would depend. Well, it depends on what thing you're talking about and what, especially with Power Rangers, what season of Power Rangers.
1: Yeah. Um, the, that's, the original. That's a, that's, one. A,
0: that's a conversation for another day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it doesn't really happen in movies. And it's so interesting that they decided this is the route that they had to go through in order to sell this movie to an American audience. Obviously, they didn't go as crazy like this for some of the other. Uh, monster movies that that came over here, which we'll talk about. But, yeah,, uh, you mentioned Raymond Burr, who plays Steve Martin. <laughs> legendary funny man, Steve Martin. Oh, yeah,
0: it, it that always that <laughs> always makes me double take.
1: He works for the United World News in Chicago and is immediately introduced at the beginning of the movie as a friend of Dr. Sarazawa, who he's, I believe, coming to Japan specifically to meet. And we see him getting to meet Amiko and Dr. Umane for the first time after, you know, the, the events of the original Gojira expire of like this ship going down in the ocean and him trying to get in on the, the information. And we see scenes that were filmed and achieved with body doubles and stand ins for the Japanese actors, where it's the, them, them, uh, with their backs to the camera and Raymond Burr, you know speaking with them, but usually in English. But yeah, instead of Japanese dialogue dubbed over, we get a, an interpreter character introduced and there's a, there's very little dubbing of scenes. When they do it, it seems like they're trying to pretend that they were speaking English the entire time as opposed to you know, the metatextual, it's you know English just for the audience's point of view. And it's also
0: very, very obvious when it happens. Yeah, it's like, a little it,
1: jarring.
0: Yeah. I mean, in future films, they they at least like there there is an understood aspect of the of the dubbing that is present throughout the entire film. And here it's just like whew, it's yeah, it's, it's a little
1: rough. So they leave a lot of the scenes fully in Japanese without Subtitles or dubs? There's no subtitles. Is I, I
0: actually loved that. No, there's no subtitles whatsoever. I, yeah. I thought that was it because it makes you it puts you in the same position as Steve Martin. You are yeah. a foreign person in a in a in a another land, and so you were you were getting the same information that he's getting. And I think that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That actually is an amazing aspect of this film because I think as an audience member, you know. I am so tied to trying to process the the subtitles for the original Gojira, which is how I, I watched it with the original Japanese that I toned out some of their speaking voices and not having that crutch to rely on. It actually got me more into their performances, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the few that are left in here that weren't cut out. And got me interested in them. Obviously, when they're dubbed over, that kind of loses its point. But one of the first things that happens is Dr. Yomani is speaking to the, the diet building about the threat of Godzilla. And that, I feel like that entire scene is in there, you know, when he's speaking Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting for some historical context. When this movie was released, this is a huge year for for films in the United States. The Ten Commandments came out. That was the top movie, I think, of the year around the world in 80 days. And this movie did very well. I don't think it I'm not sure if it made top 10, but this was a highly grossing film. And this version, this Americanized version, was the one that got further international distribution. Yes.
0: I mean, like, like we said at the top of the show, this this is what everyone knew as Godzilla for many decades.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's not just the U.S. This is the one that went onto Europe, and like I said, it, it did go back to Japan, which is like, it's like what a slap in the face to Ashira Honda, you know, where he gets to see. Obviously, it didn't perform as well as the original one there, but still, people found it very interesting, and they got out to to the theaters to see this version. And I
0: mean, what's interesting, I mean you know, because this was built as a foreign film, it was a massive hit for a foreign film. It was yeah. only the fourth foreign film to gross more than a million dollars at the box office. And I mean, so it, even though it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a massive, massive hit in terms of blockbuster standards. Mm-hmm. It was still a very, very successful movie. And especially when it's hitting those later, the drive-in stuff, they know they can get people to come and see
1: Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, that's a well. And, and you would that, think that that doesn't hit until later. Yeah, exactly. You think that that's a name that would hold some weight after this version did so well, but then they decided to bring the next one over as gigantic the fire monster, and it's like what? <laughs> now it's, it, it, it's so much it, it's, it's
0: definitely not until the '60s where that really kind of becomes uh, much more of a of a big deal uh, yeah. with the the third King Kong versus Godzilla, but. I mean this this really I mean shows that that, that Godzilla has some some power and some box office power. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that they they brought it back to Japan. Th- but this well, happens. Yes. Whenever something gets super popular, they would they re-aired Ranger with yes. the American version of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in Japan, I think they
1: called it Power Rangers US or... It's, it's so mind-blowing. Well, yeah, well, that that was like five or six years after the original Zoo Ranger came out. But yeah, yeah, it's the same situation. So they must have dubbed or subtitled Raymond Bird's lines too, right? Or maybe they didn't and just... You know, allowed people to. Uh, I I I do not know. I would love. I would love to find out
0: because that is kind of a funny situation. And you and you had a very funny little
1: note about 1956 as well. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the the month this movie film release, the prior month is when Brian Cranston was born. Talk about a, a Power Rangers connection as well. Who <laughs> <That's> obviously. <right. laughs> He would go on to star in 2014's Godzilla. I didn't know he was he was that old, but what what a time, what a time the 50s <laughs> was for, for this series. Right. So, like we said, Toho sold the rights to a US, I believe, distributor who then went on with to with producers. But the deal was twenty five thousand US dollars up front. And then I think they had like some back end potential deals. It was a good chunk of change at the time. For doing nothing and for being one of the first, I mean, other Japanese movies have been internationally um, distributed, but nothing to, I feel like, this scale. So So $25,000 in 1956
0: would be about
1: two hundred and fifty one thousand dollars today well i mean that's not even including this is post-war japan and any additional income for for toho is you know major because that was already a hit in japan you right. know so but, but getting that just... kind of getting that kind of cash
0: influx is very very good for them
1: yeah so while shiro hondo had no say in this process the, the president of, of toho called honda personally to con congratulate him because yeah before this i believe some of kurosawa's films made it to limited release in the united states subtitled or dubbed but nothing to this grand a scale we mentioned raymond burr uh, as, as steve martin really great really awesome uh, yeah i i think that there's so i guess we should just kind of start getting into this
0: movie yeah i i think that the aspect of well I'll talk, I'll just talk about Martin. I like Martin's perspective, especially in this documentary
1: style that the movie sort of uh, takes on. Well,
0: for yeah, a lot of its narrative.
1: Yeah, it it it's interesting to introduce another. I mean, there already is a reporter character in the original Gojira, but Ashira Honda's style is so documentarian. Mm-hmm. I, you know, those are the kinds of films that he was created. It's interesting that they they kind of piggybacked onto that well, and. and- and one thing that that
0: I really picked up about Martin, and I and I what I really liked about this character in this film is he doesn't ever come off as dismissive about Japanese culture, and he doesn't pull mm-hmm. off one of those things that a lot of movies would do now, where it's like, oh, well, this is different, and like, whoa, he's like, <laughs> oh, okay, he, he he takes in information. He seems to be a very genuine character, and I think that really, like, I really likes that about this character. I think it ingratiated me to watching this version because Mm -hmm. I see someone who is not coming at this, this lens in a, in a condescending manner. And I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah. He has like one kind of cheesy line in the movie and it's them setting up the whole, you know, process of yes. why he has an interpreter there which is he he, he looks over to his interpreter and says uh, my Japanese is a little rusty what is it they're saying <laughs> and then he you know he, he has one or two more lines like that it's like what's going on here can you please interpret for me yeah but he's he never he it, it is never in
0: this this sense that's that's kind of come in in the last 50 years of he, he understands that he is a guest in another country mm-hmm. and that He's respectful, and I, I, because I hadn't seen this movie in, in over twenty years, I had forgotten that about the character, and I thought mm-hmm. that was such an important aspect to adding an American character here.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's a he's an interesting character to introduce into this mix. I feel like we get reporter characters modeled kind of in the same vein throughout kaiju cinema it just i mean obviously oh, yes a, a giant monster is gonna <laughs> attract reporter characters all over the place but yeah his his performance was memorable it starts in media res he does a really good job there but uh, a scene i'll talk about later is you know him signing off his recording of godzilla's attack is more poignant than you know they obviously they gave it more time than the reporter's on the radio tower that we see Godzilla uh, murdering later on, you know, obviously those aren't like even named characters <laughs> in uh, Shira Honda's film, but you know, he, this version gives this reporter character kind of the same stature as, you know, the, the scientist characters and, and things like that, who, who kind of get a, a poignant moment, um, well, in the film.
0: And I think beginning in, in media and in medias race with, with, Steve Martin kind of being buried in rubble at the beginning mm-hmm. was an interesting, dramatic choice. I, yeah. I actually think that was really well done because at first, you know, cause I'm, I'm watching this movie. I've recently watched the original, so I'm, I'm kind of on guard. And, mm-hmm. and the, the initial opening, I felt like, okay, well they're already taking some of the power away, but not letting the viewer stay in the dark with the stomps and the roars and this really severe, opening that the original had just a quick one, two roar title card. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to me, it was like, okay, this is the American sensational sensationalism at play and drunken, j- jumping straight into a shot of Tokyo's destruction, almost like in a, in a, news broadcast style. So initially I was like, well, this is kind of where I thought it was going to go, but then you have Steve Martin in the rubble and, and that they are going to introduce the story in a different fashion and I kind of backpedaled it and, and really was like this is a cool idea. I I do like this.
1: It I mean, honestly, it worked better than the originals kind of slow burn beginning for me. Cause I mean, it even if you hadn't had seen the original, that that form of storytelling it, you know, in Meteor Arrest where you just see the destruction and then go back and be like, How did we get here? Is just going to be interesting. It's it's a reason why it is a trope that you'll see a million times in, in movies and, and Raymond Burr sells that, that intro, you know, he looks really hurt in the rubble. Mm-hmm. They do a great job with his makeup. We, we, you know, we see him like bloodied and bruised and things like that. The, the thing I read about this is all of his scenes were apparently shot in 24 hours. Have 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 you gotten any reason That's on that? Wild to me. Apparently that was all in the contract. So they like had him, caffeinated and we're moving scene to scene and when you think about it there's not that much that he does physically in the movie there's not a lot of like multiple kind of location shots almost every single scene is him with like one other character with a flat background so that kind of makes sense but when you add in difficult things like this where he's, he's in makeup and he's got all the rubble on him it's actually quite impressive but that's all they paid for. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I will say one of the things. So
0: Godzilla appears about twenty nine minutes into this film, so it's a little bit longer to wait than the original. But in this version, it's believed that Godzilla was resurrected by H bombs rather than being awoken or changed. And I gotta say, not a not a huge fan of that.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I was looking into that um, because one of the things this version of the film has typically negative perception about was the reduction of the the US involvement in the creation of Godzilla they definitely downplay i feel like the radiation element but the, i mean he's still and, a radioactive and, so, beast yes
0: and this is and this is going to be my core issue with the film and it was always going to be the core issue with the film all of the the strength of the original films uh, social and political commentary Mm-hmm. Is is sapped here. There, there there is a little mention of like, yeah, why Godzilla's here, but it's ne- this film is not at all interested in taking in the horrors of why this creature's here. It is mm-hmm. purely interested in the spectacle.
1: Yeah, which you know, obviously they were kind of right about because the, the film series only becomes more and more of a spectacle in the show, a series, but But you're right. This that said
0: the, the first film is, is so good when we, when we were allowed to watch it as it was intended. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. It it obviously, I get it. I get it. it. This feels more like a show of film than the original Gojira. Gojira doesn't feel like it's in the same series. This one kind of does, but um, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I can accept that. The original one, this one definitely pulls out the emotional core because the main character isn't these three, this love triangle. It, the main character, is Steve Martin, you know, well,
0: yeah, and, and as as a result, like Sarazola is a renowned scientist who's an old college buddy of Martin's, which seems <laughs> so weird. I was like, he had college buddies because they, yeah, they were friends in college during the war. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. This movie does have one of my favorite exchanges, possibly in the entire franchise.
1: Uh huh. Which is that.
0: So he's on the phone with, I think, New York, because he works for the, the was it New World News or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's like, now let's have it, Steve. What about this monster story of yours? And he goes, well, it's big and terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is so flipping hilarious. I mean, he, he delivers it straight. But, I mean, I literally guffawed <laughs> when, when I when he said that. I was just like. He's I a mean, big, terrible lizard. I'm not going to lie. He's not wrong, but just yeah. like, just better. well, it's big and terrible.
1: <laughs> in real life, Raymond Burr was just gaining traction, I would say, after some movies in Hollywood. Two years prior to this, he starred opposite Jimmy Stewart in uh, Rear Window. He was the, spoiler warning, notorious neighborhood neighbor killer in that movie i recently rewatched that he is great in the movie there's so many you know bone chilling alfred hitchcock stares that that he gives I I
0: didn't mean to uh, rewatch that one. I I did recently watch it's essentially it's remake uh, Disturbia with Shia. Yeah,
1: Yeah, there's there's like a a bunch of rear window. uh, Oh, yeah. It it,
0: it became the the rear window film became a trope on its own.
1: I mean, what a great movie, but he's great in it. And then the month that this movie came out, April of 1956, uh, executive. Television producer Gail Patrick reached out to Burr about starring in the TV series Perry Mason. They had some other people lined up that fell through, I think. And they gave him the caveat that if he was able to lose 60 pounds, which I don't feel like. I mean, he's a big guy I, in this he movie. It seemed like he was like a big dude in this in this film. Yeah, but uh, they wanted him to lose 60 pounds to be Jeez. the leading man in this, this new TV series they were putting on and yeah history is made cuz he was able to do it in like a month before his screen test and would go on to do 300 episodes of the show as well as television movies and that is really what he's known for and I mean I love
0: Perry Mason I love the yeah. recent HBO remake of Perry Mason oh, so good so good it's it's phenomenal so I I'm I've, I'm a big fan of his and his personal life he was more walking the tightrope that a lot of LGBT actors in the closet had to do at this time when they were Mm. in the studio system, you know, fabricating wives who passed away or going on public dates with the likes of Natalie Wood. When in reality, in 1960, Burr would settle down with actor Robert Benevides and the two raised over a thousand new kinds of orchid and would open a winery together and become some of the first breeders in North America of the
1: Portuguese water dogs. An amazing life. I mean, his like I said, his career is mostly known for Perry Mason, but when when I think of him first, I think of this movie and I think of that American version of Godzilla's return where he comes yes. back and I don't think he I don't know if he was paid like anything for that role. He was just enthusiastic to play the same character over the course of like 30 years. You know, he was excited to go back and 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 revisit that character. And unfortunately, he passed away. I think shortly after that film came out. I want to say he. Was well,
0: because even when you watch uh, Godzilla nineteen eighty five, he does not look super
1: great. Yeah, he he looks a little like um, oh gosh, what's his name from uh, <laughs> War of the Worlds? Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his name either. Uh, but it, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, it, it's. He did have a a pretty, pretty fantastic life.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, he had to keep a lot of his, his personal life hidden away from from Hollywood. And I think probably during the majority of filming Perry Mason. But I mean, you know, got to, to live out doing a lot of pretty amazing things after Perry Mason wrapped up and I think it I think it wrapped and then they came back and did the TV movies and things like that. I, I haven't watched a lot of those originals but uh, you know he yeah, he did he did, he did, he did the- 9 seasons of Perry Mason and then
0: a series of 26 TV movies between 1985 and 1993
1: when he passed away. He looked like Orson Welles in in the 84 Godzilla. That's who it was. He he definitely had put some pounds there, but he had like this full beard and that's who I thought it was. I think when I originally saw that movie, I didn't mention it, but he was, he also had the show Ironside, which was really popular who the intro song is one of the most rocking songs in all of TV history it's what Quentin Tarantino used in Kill Bill you know mm-hmm. but uh yeah he he's got this huge TV history and yeah I, I mean he made this movie possible it's very possible that they could have gotten an actor for this movie that wouldn't have taken it seriously like oh you want me for very base pay just film for 24 hours and be the star of this, this movie. I mean, it's a, it beggars belief, but yeah, like I was mentioning before, I feel like a lot of this movie, the heart of Shira Honda's original film was taken out. It does cut out 10 minutes of the, I mean, more than 10 minutes because it's 10 minutes runtime is shorter than the original Gojira, but it added in scenes. So in reality, it probably cut like 15 to 20 minutes of the original movie. And obviously, I think they actually added, because Toho just gave them all the footage, like all the original footage. I think they added in some shots of Godzilla. So I think there's actually more Godzilla in this film, but a lot less of our main characters, you know, Dr. Yamane, Amiko, uh, Dr. Sarazawa. Actually, maybe there's more or the same amount of Sarazawa because we get a scene of him speaking with Steve Martin over the phone. But this movie feels a little choppier, especially after you've seen the original. And it I mean, there's parts of the original Gojira that even Ashira Honda doesn't like. He thought were novice at the time, and it was one of his earliest movies. So it kind of makes sense. But I mean, when you go back and you watch his version that is a complete movie. That is like an emotional movie. And Um, I think that's why I,
0: my personal rating does get, get knock it down a little bit because while this movie is fun and while, especially the scenes where Godzilla is, is taking down the city, it's a fun, the the narration of the rampage, the city kind of removes a
1: lot of the punch from the scene. And well, the original, all it is, is like a completely silent scene where main characters are watching. In horror of destruction, they say nothing that entire
0: well, and even they even show one of the most emotional gut punches, but you don't get the we're gonna go see daddy, like you Mm. don't get you don't get that from this, and so I feel like this scene, while it is still a cool destruction scene, is completely robbed of the emotional and just visceral impact.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I would say. His performance adds something to obviously his storyline, but sure, it, it does feel like. I mean, if we're comparing the movies, it's taken away a little bit from from the original. I, I do still think that his narration, kind of like when he wakes up in the hospital and he looks around and you know sees everyone hurt, all that is just so such good stuff. A lot of it, obviously is original to the first film. Yeah, but it, it's it's. I, I'm definitely
0: not saying that's bad stuff. Although I, I do feel that the children's choir and TV montage changing Sarazawa's mind comes off a little more silly here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's not preceded by, I mean, that's actually a very long uh, scene in Gojiro when Ogata and Emiko uh, go, go to convince him. And that's at, obviously like the end of it, you know, after they've already had the fight and they've uh, right. chased him down into the lab and yada yada. Uh, I, so, I already mentioned about my favorite scene from King of the Monsters is the Burr's narration of the destruction of Tokyo. It, it added a little bit because I think he was, you know, signing off thinking he was going to die. So, it, it, it definitely isn't as, like you said, <laughs> as much as a gut punch as like the mother saying goodbye to her children. But the performance is still good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I could have used more, you know, response from the main characters of the original film about that, but that that wasn't them reacting. That was the director kind of showing you the horrors. So right. this is a very different thing, and, and that's one thing. Maybe if you had a complaint about Ishira Honda's directing style early on, I mean, he was also given very novice actors. He didn't have as much trust in them that they could really like carry some of these scenes. Like there, you know, parts of his book, he talks about showing them exactly how to react to Godzilla, you know, like not just where to look, but like how to run away, how to like, you know, what, what your, their faces should be. And, you know, that's one thing that he kind of dinged himself on was not being able to get the most out of these novice actors. He, of course, saw the movie, the altercations made after it came to Japan and people afterwards throughout his life asked him, you know, if he was offended by these alterations. But he just said he found them amusing and stated that his film was trying to imitate American monster movies. So he found it funny that they would go back and then, you know, uh, (laughs) try to imitate or make their make Gojira their own in a way.
0: Yeah, the, and I mean, also
1: that that is a, a, a classic amount of his his type of humility as a director. Yeah. Well, like we <laughs> said in, in the Gojira review, he was his own worst critic <laughs> at the time. Right. Yeah. So do you have. um any other notes on what worked for you, what didn't work, or your favorite scenes?
0: Um, I did, I did talk to I talked about my favorite uh, exchange because that that just that kills me. <laughs> the well, it's big and terrible. And that and that is kind of my my favorite scene uh, because it's it's there even though it's unintentional. It, there's a, a levity there that is not present in the in the original film. The original film is a a meditation, and and this one is still very good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't stress like I know I, I I started coming down a little harder on it because of the stuff that it didn't do. But on its own, it's a very, very solid kaiju film. And 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 solid enough that this this is what kickstarts the next 50 plus years. Yeah. And, until uh Final Wars in, in 2004, you know, 50 years later. I mean, th- this this kicks off, you know, a a defining franchise that is is in a sense, I mean, it's the reason we're here. <laughs> and so, I mean, that, that can't be overstated. And as much as I, I want to appeal to like, you've got to watch the original, you got to watch the original. If, you know, you, if you just can't do subtitles or if that's just not a way that you can enjoy a mm-hmm. film, if you watch Godzilla, King of the monsters, yes, you will lose all of what to me makes the original film great in terms of it's a uh, emotional and commentative, impact
1: mm-hmm. but you'll still get a good monster movie and i will say as far as like individual films go i feel like even though gojira 1954 is longer it flows faster than than this americanization of the film and you know part of that is just because some some scenes in this movie you know there's no subtitles there's no dubbing and you're just watching people speak Je- i mean if you speak japanese it probably goes just fine but if you're not you're just waiting for the interpreter uh who was who actually he's not actually an interpreter in the film he's a security officer named Iwa, iwanaga uh, who's played by a frank last name same iwanaga who's a security officer i feel like for some kind of Japanese bureau who comes to Steve Martin. Cause he saw from the plane, the, the flash of light in the ocean. But anyway, he just, I mean, all he does is interpret in the movie. They're quote unquote, investigating along with Dr. Yamani. But yeah, we, we talked about most everything, uh, probably the most egregious thing in this entire movie. While an ingenious idea, I feel like the stand-ins were just, it doesn't look good. It looks, pretty bad (laughs) having the the stand-ins you know with their backs to the camera it just it feels awkward and i i feel like the movie probably could have been better if we had just had two different kind of plot lines you know following an american point of view and then having the japanese with some type i I think that could have been interesting i agree literally just adding to the movie and not really cutting cutting anything away but anyway this film was a success it was a success here when it went back to Japan when it went to Europe and all around the globe and like you said this was the version for 50 years here stateside this is the only thing you could really watch um, mm-hmm. I mean it Gojira the original came to like movie theaters and things like that in its original form but there was no DVD or VHS release right and I mean I it's
0: hard for me because I, 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 re- I feel like I remember seeing at a comic convention, you know, a bootlegged VHS. Right, right. Those are very possible. Because those were, they're still at some comic conventions, but the, the bootleg VHS world was a, a massive, massive thing on the convention circuit. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I it's not that it was never available, but in terms of a an, an easily available mainstream capacity, it was essentially lost to most Audiences until two thousand and four.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's just so many things that don't make it over from Japan, but the fandom is there, and they they need to see it, even if they have to do the dubbing themselves, the subbing themselves. Yeah, this is the this is the film that gave us the name Godzilla. It's the film that really catapulted this giant monster all across the world, and it's one of the reasons where I don't think of kaiju as just. Japanese cinema. I don't think of it as just American cinema, King Kong, Godzilla, and a lot of the other monsters, even some from Korea. It just, it feels like a, a world cinema. And it's one of those things where it does get shared in different countries. It gets shared around the world and it, it doesn't have a border really. (laughs) It's a, it's one of these films styles that can I mean just because it's about a huge external threat to humanity like any kind of human that it feels like it could play in any movie theater and be interesting to people so one of the reasons why King Kong you know wasn't just interesting to English speaking countries and 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 likewise here for Gojira and Godzilla King of the Monsters so we are going to rate this film as a separate entity and obviously we've already kind of intimated. This is not getting a a perfect score or not going to extremely high score (laughs) from us, but I think it's going to get a decent score. I feel like Uh, we we rate on the show here, scale one to 10 with the main criteria being our, our personal enjoyment, the technical aspects and evocative artistic kind of segments of the film. Like what did this add to the Canon? you know how did this how do we feel like this echoes in kaiju kaiju asia cinema yeah so like we said i was not expecting to like this as much because i think i was tainted with the idea of all the other americanizations the sandy frank dubbings of some of my favorite movies and i put that in the same truck the same <laughs> space as the the other films but some scenes added You know, when they added in Steve Martin, they did it in inventive ways. And as a framing device, uh, Steve Martin worked pretty well for me. So it was not as precipitous a drop. I was expecting to give this like a seven based on the last time I saw this movie, which is probably a decade ago. But yeah, I'm happy to report not true. From enjoyment point of view, I still gave this a nine out of 10. It, it's still a lot of the meat and bones from the original Gojira, which I gave a 10. Well, you you expected to give it a seven. I did give it a seven. Uh-huh. For my personal
0: enjoyment of, of this film, I, well, I did really enjoy a lot. So seven's not a bad score at all. And even, even compared to our own Thing. A seven means something was very good, interesting in concept and execution or evoking, which I feel like this film mm-hmm. is it absolutely does. But it missing a lot of what makes Godzilla so good. But in comparison, it does take away some of that value for me. It not focusing on what made the original film great. For for lack of a better, it just bums me out a little bit. Um, <laughs> that that said, I did think it was a very very solid version of this film. I think that what they did with Raymond Bird did was excellent. I liked his character a lot, mm-hmm. and I think the the bones of the film is is still present. Yes, you won't get everything as as heavy as that's in the original Gojira, but you're still getting a good you know a good sense of what the character
1: is and, and that's important, which is crazy for the amount of time that they had (laughs) and you know what they could do with, with just adding a character into a movie.
0: Yeah. So I, 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 I did very much enjoy my time here. Yeah. I, I still disliked a lot of the kind of the Americanization of the film, but it's, it's by no means a bad time.
1: no, what, what, what about the technical aspects of the film? Not too much different in that department, but no,
0: I, I, so uh, the technical aspects, I did give it an eight because one, mm-hmm. it's, it's the technical stuff that works from the original film is still the, to a degree works, but it's also not theirs. And I think some of the
1: American sets were, didn't feel great. Oh, no, they're like so many of them are just flat walls. That's what I dinged it on. I gave it an eight as well. Those stand in scenes are just awkward and out of play. I mean, they look like an American monster movie of the time, which is makes sense. But they there's just they clash so much with the Shira's Honda style. Yeah, Um, but I actually I, I did like the rebel scene, you know, like the, I said, that's the, where the, they probably spent all their budget. <laughs> right. The
0: rebel scene looked decent and then everything else just looked like, oh, uh, we, we can use his office. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just it, yeah, it, it kind of, it, it, felt half-assed and yeah, it, it, it didn't do a ton for me, but, but because a crux of the original film is still present, yeah, uh, I, I still kept it at a, at a high score.
1: Yeah, the I, I ding this movie the most from its original on the emotional aspect where I don't feel like this is nearly as affecting a film as Ashira Honda's very tender story of kind of mm-hmm. tradition butting up against the modern world, this, you know, clash of the the folk tales of the people uh in the islands versus the modern city. And it yeah, it just doesn't have a lot of the warmth that we get to see between Agata and Imiko and even Yamana. So much of their stuff is is cut down to the wick. Uh, so I gave this one a seven out of 10 in that respect, even though I feel like this movie does probably mean a lot to people that saw this first or, or only saw this for like 50 years of their life here in the United States. But it's just, it's one of those things where you go back and you watch the original, original and it's, it's no comparison. That movie is a 10 out of 10 in that category. This is a seven.
0: Yeah. Speaking of 10 out of 10s, in terms of cultural, I still give this one a 10 because yeah. this movie is responsible for everything that we attributed to the original. I think this also deserves just as much credit because this is the film that really kicked it off.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, we we. We're talking about the same thing, but different scores for for like you know different reasons. It is it is so important to the history of Godzilla, especially. I I think we'll we'll talk more about his the, the main character's legacy like later on in in regards to like what makes him explode. This is definitely one of those things that obviously. <laughs> this is why so many other movies were made and brought over and things like that. So I, I totally understand your scoring. Both of our scores will kind of even out to our final score together. We both gave this one an eight to the podcasts, right? Yours, yours. Yes, it's, it goes an to an eight and mine mm-hmm. goes to an eight. So the official Kajuverse history combined score is eight out of 10 which, you know, that makes sense. I Like I said, I thought it might be a little bit lower, but when you're starting with such a great, you know, product, there's only so much you could do to mess it up.
0: Right. And I mean, an A 10 is a very good score. It means the film is great. It's exciting, affecting, memorable achievement and enlightening. And while it may not be the last one, It is a great film. I I do think it is a great American film. I think it is exciting. It's very memorable. It's the reason we are talking about this because it really helps. It's a seismic shift in the popularity of this kind of monster movie. And I think that contribution that this film makes cannot, cannot be, you really can't look over that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's going to do it for for this week's episode. This is one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast is to be able to get into the nitty-gritty of the history of of these movies and and how they were produced, distributed and, you know, what the the lasting legacy of all of them was. If you're not a huge Kaiju fan or not a huge Godzilla fan, it's definitely one of those things that I mean, I think it'd still fascinate you just from a cultural point of view. So I'm glad we did this one. Don't know if we'll ever do any other double reviews like this of, of films. Yeah, no, they it does.
0: Jury's exist. still out on 1985.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll definitely one of the whole reasons for the show is to talk about, you know, the actual films themselves. And part of that is the international distribution. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at Kaiju versus history. If you have any concerns or questions about upcoming things, if we're going to review your favorite movie or not, you can email us Kaiju versus history at gmail.com and go onto our website to see what upcoming movies we've got Kaiju versus history.com and get ready for the the next movie in our creature feature. (laughs) Oh yes. (laughs) Super so,
0: history. <laughs> so thank you, Patrick and listeners. And we will catch you next time when it's time for a new monster to juke Japan and menace the mainland. That's right. Tune in next week for History versus Rodad.